Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Critics on a Bus. How are you today, Cameron? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Paul? You know, I'm feeling quite polemical today oh. because today I am going contrary to a big company, a few big <laughs> ideas, and I'm excited. I'm excited to play devil's advocate and to challenge popular opinions. What is it that we're talking about today? We are um, going to delve into Disney+. Plus. And, and what is Disney Plus? <laughs> Disney Plus is the <laughs> exclusive Disney streaming service um, that has everything that Disney now own under all its umbrellas. Well, not everything. Yeah, Disney Plus is the the streaming rival to um, Netflix and Amazon, and a huge lockdown hit, I would say, because it happened just it released just as lockdown began for the UK, and everyone jumped on board. <laughs> Indeed, they did. So how much does it cost to get Disney Plus? I think it's about £60 a year. £60 a year. Oh, Ooh, I like that quite, like, quite that ping that confirmed my answer was correct. <laughs> yeah, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. So £60 for the year. And for that £60, uh, you get access to, like you say, a huge kind of swath of the Disney library. And that includes Marvel, not all Marvel, but good chunk of marvel movies particularly mcu and star wars as well mm-hmm. although at least in the uk uh, episode nine is not available on disney plus yet i don't know if that's going to come anytime soon it will do it will do okay I, they probably want to sell things first and then uh, and then get to it as well as national geographic the simpsons disney channel Blast from the past if you were younger and your parents actually paid for those types of channels. Mine didn't. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I would enjoy them around at friends' houses. Now, uh, the way that this is going to be set up, it's going to be a rare first-time thing, and we're going to try it out, and please let us know if it works, is that it's going to be something of a debate format with me taking the side of Disney Plus is not worth it and that it's basically highlighting all the negatives, arguing against Disney+. And Cameron will be defending Disney+, (laughs) from the onslaught. (laughs) And we are very interested to hear what you think. I would imagine that the majority of listeners are on board with the idea of Disney+. I could be wrong, but I would imagine... Yeah, the majority are. Nonetheless, I would imagine there are also those, you know, the, the free thinkers, the true artists out there who uh <laughs> who you know realize the damning effects of disney plus on art more generally so we're going to delve into that shots fired shots fired already it's, it's early days <laughs> so just to get us kicked off i just want to highlight something so mm. a monopoly right we're all familiar with this term of a monopoly it's an ec- economic term for when one company or a small group of companies own uh, a large, if not a majority, of a market share. Isn't the monopoly owning all the market share? Uh, no, because of course there will still be other um, companies. So, so, or maybe that's technically a monopoly. I, I can't remember. I did do economics A level, but I, <laughs> I, I should probably have looked up the term monopoly beforehand. But I, I don't know if to qualify as a monopoly, you have to have all the market share. Um, Either way, if we're using that term loosely, I just want to highlight something here. So Disney own, they own ABC, which is a news network. They own 80% of ESPN, which is another news network. A sport network. Yeah, I guess so. Um, They own Touchstone Pictures. They obviously own Marvel, huge thing to own there. They own Lucasfilm, obviously Star Wars. They own... 50% 50% of something called a I'm not sure what that is. They own 50% of the History Channel, 50% of Lifetime. They obviously own Pixar, but that's kind of more of a duo thing these days. Uh, they own Hollywood Records. They have a 10% stake in Vice Media, and they also own something called Core Publishing, as well as, of course, 
Disney themselves, what they, they obviously produce their own animated films, they produce their own real films, they produce their own live action versions of old films. And of course, it's a brand, they produce uh, toys, clothes, and they obviously have their theme parks, huge attractions, ones that they have all around the world, primarily in America, though. We're talking about uh, a very, very big company with its fingers in many pies. And when it comes to the entertainment that that company produces, there are some disadvantages, I believe, for it being the type of company that it is. Let's let's get to some of those disadvantages. I I, I must I must confess, uh, some of these are issues with Disney as a company, but these then eventually bleed into why Disney Plus itself is a manifestation of those evils. So let me start with the first point, and you can come back on this one. I feel like, particularly in more recent years, Disney has used nostalgia to then turn a profit, and this has been done at relatively little effort to them artistically, but they still make billions of dollars off the back of this. And the prime example I can think of with this is The Lion King, but more generally, live-action remakes. Did you ever get round to seeing The Lion King? Live-action yeah. remake? You did. Did you enjoy it? It's a loaded question. But <laughs> Not as much as the original. Okay. Do you believe that it was worth the money you spent to watch it? It's a difficult one because I have a cinema card. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a bad, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad question. <laughs> I, 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 this isn't meant to be like a courtroom interrogation, but I feel like there just seems something wrong about taking... Because I didn't, I didn't enjoy the Lion King remake. I thought that it was... I thought it was a waste of time. I thought it was a gimmick. I feel like that's what live-action movies really are. They are a gimmick. It's like, we don't need to come up with a story we don't need to come up with characters in many cases we don't even need to come up with 80 percent of the lines or songs for these things we just take the old thing and all we do is render it differently on the screen now i'm sure that takes you know an incredible amount of effort to particularly the lion king the one thing i will say in its favor is that it looked good uh in that it, it looked like a nature documentary but if we're talking on an artistic level, the fact that someone can do something so simple, just give a facelift to an already established and loved story and make over a billion dollars off the back of that, for me, there is something wrong with that. I don't know if you have any counter opinions on live action remakes. I think your point of, of live action is that, yes, it's a little bit of a cop out, mm-hmm. but surely some of the reason that it's making money is because people are invested in that story anyway yeah because because the lion king came out in 1994 which is the year i was born right so a live action remake is produced in a high definition format that we all enjoy these days you know we have such a need for super hd and 4k resolution that sometimes we really struggle that's why everything's been remastered games and shows and all that kind of stuff being remastered because we have an appreciation for high resolution because we want things bigger and brighter than ever before so the thing is disney are capitalizing on an audience desire if we had no desire for um high resolution rubbish like that then they wouldn't make it but we do so they do they cater to their audience needs or wants and that's why it makes money. The story doesn't have to change. I think if we made a remake and then changed the story, there'd be uproar. They kind of have to keep the story the same because otherwise people would say you're tampering my childhood and you're wrecking it and you're changing what I loved for so many years as a kid and my kids will never feel the same emotions. But by remaking it in a new format, you can go, I can share this with my kids now because this is in a format that they'll understand and they'll like because it's something they're used to. It's keeping with my childhood and we can have this common thread between us as families and as parents and children and and because we frankly enjoy it because the stories are so good they have no need to remake it if they wanted to do live action but i think the live action demand comes from us as society not from disney as a company so you make a number of points there and i think that the definitely i take the point that at the end of the day there is such a thing as the desire of the masses and yes 
it is true that people like the idea of things bigger, brighter, shinier, newer, rendered in a uh, more modern, more advanced. It's what know, Apple does, way. and they make money all the time. They yes. just literally make their phone a bit bigger and shiny. That's it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good example. And I think that if I were to argue this way against Disney, I would have to then argue the same against against Apple if I were to be consistent because I sit here with an iPhone. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, inherited. Uh, but uh, no, so I definitely take that point. And I don't think that there's anything necessarily harmful if that's what people want. I do think that there are some negative side effects however of doing this so i don't think there's anything particular look if if someone want, if someone says to themselves i wonder what the lion king would look like if it were real lions or if it were made to look like real lions that's interesting i i, I see that as kind of more of a gimmick than anything do you need an entire film for that i don't maybe some people would do like that if that's what they like then you know fine cool, each to their own. And if Disney's going to cater to that, then they can. I think where I disagree with... Well, well, first of all, I would make a general point about this idea that I I would see it as a waste of time. And if you want your children to enjoy the same films that you do, then they should be satisfied with the originals. I don't see anything particularly dated about the original Lion King or the original Aladdin or, you know... But you're not a child now. No, I know. I'm 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 not, but their their consumption of media is very different to your consumption of media as a child. So their expectations we live in a digital age with iPads and tablets and phones and all these kind of streaming services where they can watch high quality content on a regular basis as a child. When we were children and watching Disney, it was that very um, almost two D animation style. That to us was our expectation of child's movies their children today is very different because their basic expectation is much higher than ours because of the content they can already access but i don't know if because there's expectations in terms of visual quality mm-hmm. but i feel like what's actually and this is true by the fact that they do remakes what's actually compelling about the lion king is the story and the characters and the music and that's what you feel attached to as a child and Going into, say, the new Lion King, even if a child hadn't seen the previous one and they, whatever, they were attached to this kind of swanky newness of, of, of entertainment, uh, you know, yes, they might take away, oh, wow, that's breathtakingly cool that the lion's there and it looks great and whatnot. But ultimately, what I would hope children are attaching onto are the characters and the story and the music which, and this is a side point that I didn't bring up in my previous sort of argument, but in The Lion King's case was something that was even somewhat compromised on. They took Be Prepared, made it a lot worse. Yeah, they did. Um, the dialogue was weird. I mean, it's all very well just doing a facelift on something. It's another thing to then make it slightly worse in the more important aspects, which are, in my opinion, at least story characters. Um so forth. That's one where I feel like Aladdin actually has a bit of merit because they did take some artistic liberty and improve it a bit. Or not improve it, but but did it differently. Aladdin was changed enough that maybe they could justify that renovation. But on a more general point, and this is something where I feel like Martin Scorsese has been misunderstood, is that this, because there's the demand, this is what the cinemas are putting on their screens. In fact, you could go to any cinema at most times these days, obviously not Corona times, but these (laughs) days, and a good bulk of all of the screens, it will be something that Disney has its hands in. And what that does is is it creates a crowding out effect. And this is what Martin Scorsese was kind of talking about when he was talking about Marvel. He wasn't necessarily saying that Marvel movies are awful or bad. I certainly don't think so. But he was saying that they're not art. And what he means by that is he's not talking about art, you know, just broadly art, things that entertain, however you want to define art. He was talking about a specific type of experimental, risky, challenging art. And the more people lap up these sort of Disney mass-produced things, the less space, the less funding, the less screen availability there's going to be for art that truly challenges us, for art that, you know, is important in some broad sense. But 
come back surely, on that. surely that argument means though like what you're saying between the lines is that's the only art that matters that entertainment art doesn't matter as much because it's not challenging when when i don't know about you but the art in the mcu for example is is the character journeys it's the investment in people's lives when iron man dies i nearly cried i was there i can attest to this because (laughs) but because it's such that has such emotional impact and i think people at Martin Scorsese I mean we spoke about this before and I'm not going to get into it again because I can already feel my blood boiling about him Um, (laughs) and his lack of art but um, you know just saying oh this mass-produced stuff leaves little space for the rest of us it's almost like you're saying that art doesn't matter and that the only thing that matters is the art what I consider art and that's the the edgy experimental stuff like Lighthouse when you know that's not the case art is the beauty is in the eye of the beholder isn't it art is very subjective first of all so what martin scorsese sees as experimental art is different to what james gunn to christopher nolan to joe bloggs who does the next disney film is um everyone has a different art and i think he's also cheapening the skill it takes to make a film john favreau who directed the lion king it's no mean feat to try and make a live action air quote live action cgi'd sort of film like that so something that's not not been done to that scale and size before you know you've got to you've got to have a lot of technical knowledge you've got to understand camera angles and timing and spacing you've still got to practice the art of directing but just because it's not the edgy experimental dark gritty gangster film that Scorsese makes every couple of years doesn't mean it's not worth it being called art I think cheapening the mass-produced art because you think it's mass-produced because you don't want to partake in it or because it's not your version of art and saying it's not really art, it's taking art away from the rest of us, is cheapening, one, your fellow colleagues in the film industry, and two, it's like it's slapping everyone else in the face going, well, you guys are uncultured slobs. I'm the only one who's got, who understands what's happening. It, it just feels a little bit like you're, you're degrading your own art for the, your own art as a whole, as film, as a medium of art mm-hmm. for a, a headline. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you've said in that, in that I, I, I look, I, I, I definitely see how there can be something condescending, something patronizing and something kind of pretentious about this, this definition of, or separating a definition of art like with a capital A as only being that which challenges and that which explores deep themes. And I I definitely can see how that can, like how that can come across the wrong way. And I also definitely absolutely hundred percent agree that there is a subjectivity to art and also that there is a place for Disney and there's a place for, you know, uh, films that, yes you know have a happy ending and yes follow a certain story arc that has a has a cliche to it but also a you know a lovableness to it i i there is a space for that without a doubt and if people want to consume that without a doubt that is a completely acceptable thing to do i don't think that disney should you know disband and and kind of uh, stop producing things. I think that if they did, then something else would fill that void. I think that naturally, as human beings, we want those stories that are good, kind of have that good sort of homegrown nostalgic feeling to them that touch all the right kind of pluck all the right heart heartstrings. That being said, I think that this is perhaps a broader comment on the importance of that more marginal art for life in terms of in terms of sparking ideas in terms of inspiring people in terms of you know uh, exploring philosophical themes i think that there there's a place for both of these and i think that yes maybe not everyone or not the majority of time will people grasp onto that more experimental that more challenging art but i i get the feeling that with these globalized kind of franchised mega ultra companies like disney there is there is a sort of imbalance coming where yes that challenging art is normally only 
10 or 5% of all art that there is, but it feels like it's getting crowded out to even a smaller margin and people are less likely to consume it. And I think that that is something to lament and that's something that is an imbalance to be sad about. The one thing I, I would say, just I guess for me in the end though, is not every, not every film or every franchise, no matter who owns it, is perfect, correct? Of course, yeah. The the question you've got to ask yourself in this kind of situation then is is what Disney make all rubbish? Probably not. No, no. And so th- there's there is t- there is tons of films out there that none of us see or hear because they are absolute junk, right? Yeah, that's um, a fair point as well. What well, MGM, for example, they literally live between Bond films because <laughs> <laughs> they 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 have no ability to to sell anything else purely because. Because story is king mm-hmm. these days, um, because of incredible shows like The Walking Dead, for example, that have this incredible like story arc, we so much more invest in good stories, and stories is king now. And Disney seem to be making or producing films where story seems a bit more king than others. There, there's a lot of misses. Not get me wrong, they do a lot of misfires in in their in their catalog, but. The what we see is because when they get it right, they get it really right, and that makes a lot of noise. And so we think the market is oversaturated because when they get it right, it's spot on and people love it. And I think it's more that the noise they produce is louder than others, not that's necessarily true. more than others. That's true, and that's because they well they've got the might, they've got the 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 money they've got the marketeers um that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, no, but it's it's business it is it is business i i do want to come in on something there though and this is a good lead in to another point i wanted to make and and that is so we've all we've all come across fashion shows recent say fashion shows where you know we we flick into the tv or we see something on youtube and someone will just be wearing something that's you know uh, ridiculous and we'll look at that and we'll be like why would anyone ever think that that was fashionable or desirable and we see that with certain other brands so you know but that goes for brands in terms of companies that also goes for artists where simply in virtue of having that name attached, uh, a name attached to something, people will then automatically want to like something. And it almost gets to the point where that, that brand can, or that artist can produce whatever they want. People will automatically like it, buy it, want it to succeed. So Nike could release a new pair of shoes and just in virtue of being the new Nikes, everyone's going to buy them. Or well, not everyone, but you know, a certain mass group of people are going to buy them because it's to do. It, the same goes for the iPhone. I think you made an excellent point earlier with the iPhone. It's 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 not necessarily the features, but it's the novelty of the fact that it's the newest iPhone. That's why people buy it. And I get the sense that that happens for Disney on certain levels, both in terms of people are going to watch things just because they are the new Disney Pixar movie, or in some cases, because they're the new Marvel movie or the new Star Wars movie. People just know intrinsically that they're going to watch them, however bad they are, because of the fact that there's that novelty factor. So take, for example, take something like Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was an all right movie. Like it was fine. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was somewhere in between. It made over a billion dollars because it was part of the MCU. You know my opinions about Star Wars Episode Nine. Not a big fan at all. But I still watched it, because it's Star Wars. <laughs> it's Star Wars Episode Nine. And again, I don't know, there's just something that seems... I can't quite put my finger on exactly what's wrong about that, but, but there just seems something wrong about that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, first of all, let me address the, the whole Star Wars thing. You didn't watch it because it's Disney. You watched it because it was Star Wars. Star Wars was there before Disney. That's it. a good point. So that's and a bad you, example. You were already invested in that before Disney bought it. But that's so, I feel almost why they bought it, because it's a cash cow. <laughs> but it wasn't at the time when they bought it. Nothing was happening. Well, that's true. They spent a lot of money and they've only just about made it back on just what they purchased on it. Like, it's not exactly a cash cow, 
they bought it. I don't know why. I didn't look into it. I was on a mission at the time and I heard it on the grapevine that they bought it. Um, But, you know, it had been close to six years after the last Star Wars film when they bought Star Wars off Lucas. So, like, it wasn't like they were like, oh, well, he's raking in the money still. He's raking it because he owned the franchise because Fox, like, not going to sell money. Here, take 100% of own the whole thing. And he's like, all right, then made a great movie and he made tons of money. He did it because George Lucas made the money he made because he was smarter than Fox was, <laughs> frankly. And But he wasn't making any money from new releases at the time because nothing was being released. So saying things like that, like you've got to understand the historical context of franchises is why you invested it in the first place. So you can't necessarily blame Disney. Disney did, might not have done well, but you watched it because it was Star Wars, not because it was Disney. I feel like, though, there's still an element of... So, so yes, maybe Star Wars wasn't a cash cow at the time when it was bought, but it, it's one of those recognised brands. And the same goes for the MCU as well, where an incentive... And the MCU is obviously a bit different because it was making tons of money already, but it was it was purchased in the thought that... And again, this goes back to the nostalgia factor. It goes back to remakes. It's people already know and love this. And so regardless, they're going to watch whatever is produced under this name, under this brand, because that is what it is. You know, because just in virtue of the fact that the name Star Wars is attached to it, we know we've already got an audience of however many people. So I think, yes, definitely the history matters. And with Star Wars, the, the point about already being a cash cow that that's true i i don't know exactly i i i'm backtracking here but i don't know exactly what's wrong with that per se but there seems something i don't know it seems like a bit of a i don't know there's something cheap about it i don't, I don't know let's talk about the mcu a little bit okay disney bought the mcu after captain america okay i believe that means iron man hulk thor and captain america <laughs> the non-disney versions of that film they weren't great iron man was iron man was good hulk no one even considers it mcu yeah barely 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 is considered thor well well, yeah um and captain america i think is well one of the worst and then they bought it shortly after that didn't they Mm -hmm. the mcu got good because of disney and i think Uh... and i think i think in some ways people forget they they talk about these huge franchises and the the money making and all this kind of stuff, but they they look at it in a in a singular mindset and they don't think of the bigger picture. They don't think of that potentially it made it made money because Disney got involved because Disney could throw money at it, put the marketing behind it, get the right stars because they have this money they can expand what we already know and love and make it bigger. If it wasn't for Disney, we wouldn't have the Mandalorian. And I love The Mandalorian. We wouldn't have had Rogue One. And I think that's one of the greatest Star Wars films ever made. We wouldn't have the Kenobi series finally coming to us. They are expanding what we already love. And they're getting better at it. For a long time, I mean, Disney started in the 30s. For a long, long time, up until, you know, like the 90s beyond, even in the, even even beyond that, they were rubbish at making films. Um, I think one of the biggest financial losses in a film is Disney with John Carter. Yeah, yeah, that is I think, like, the biggest tank. That's one of the biggest tanks in cinematic history. They, they're not perfect at it, but if it wasn't for Disney, we might not have new Star Wars films and shows. We might not have the MCU as we know it today. It might never have made the money to sustain itself and get itself off the ground as Marvel as a company. Because Marvel as a company probably would have been bought because it was in a state that it needed to be bought. Because comic books were down. But the marketing and the money and the influence that Disney put in helped save Marvel as a company, helped save Stanley's legacy. And I'd be careful in trying to cheapen their achievements by making these cash cows bigger because we might not even have them if it wasn't for Disney. There, There is positives that we might not see because we're so focused on their monopolizing of franchises that we know and love. I think, that, yeah, there's definitely a point. I think the MCU is a very good example that you've brought up there. I think that Disney as a company is immensely powerful and immensely uh, wealthy, or at least has a lot of money and a lot of power and a lot of brand recognition and a lot of history. And like you say, that in and of itself is, is in some sense neutral. So it can be used, for example, to then fund you know, projects that then what they needed was the funding and the know-how and the people, and then they can be turned into 
something incredible based on that entire investment. And the MCU, um, there would be people who would talk about it as not real art, like Martin Scorsese. Um, I definitely, that, that aside, I think that what it's achieved in terms of the interwovenness of the universe, you have to admire from any standpoint, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a great example of where all of that, the big bucks really kind of helped create something that was that was unique and, and, and special. And the tone of how I was saying all that was as if I was going to come to a counterpoint, but actually it's just <laughs> <laughs> just an agreement. Um, so I think that's a really good point. I, I want to come on to just one other thing, and that is this idea of what I call kind of meme ability. So we have the term meme and this refers to obviously it can refer to a number of things more commonly when we think of a meme as you know uh young people we we imagine a funny piece of picture and text that makes the rounds on facebook or instagram or whatnot um or you know a funny clip or whatever the the term more generally is a, is a term for non-biological things like ideas that then are infectious and spread and are copied and infect their way through groups. And I I just wanted to make one final point uh, before I come to Disney Plus more specifically on how I feel like, to some extent, and I feel like this cheapens Marvel just a bit, there is a reliance on, okay, what is going to be memeable? So take, for example, um, this whole I love you 3000 thing. I feel like when the writers were writing that line, it was almost like they were picturing it spreading like throughout Facebook as like the symbol that it is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but where I think it can be a bad thing, and this is where I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Cameron. Don't say it. Let me preface it. Let me preface it. The Mandalorian is a good show. Okay. I'm not saying I hate it. I'm not saying it's a bad show. Is Baby Yoda a bit of a marketing ploy slash gimmick? I think if we're all just being honest with ourselves, I think the creators of The Mandalorian were like, what is going to sell? What is going to infect Facebook? What's gonna, what are the toys going to be able to made, be made of? What is the next cute, cuddly thing? And thus, Baby Yoda was born. But I feel like the Mandalorian is so much is so much more than Baby Yoda. But I feel like it's become, in some senses, at least on the internet, equated with Baby Yoda. It's a bit gimmicky. I'm so sorry if I've offended your sensibilities in any way. But anyway, I just okay. had to get that out. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'm treading carefully. I meant to be polemical in this. I, I should be hard <laughs> line. <laughs> um, if that's the case, first of all, I love you three thousand, mm-hmm. and your holiday of memeability. Yeah. What did that line do for the character itself? Uh, as in for Iron Man, well, it, yeah. it kind of represented, uh, you know, his whole arc in some ways in that it represented his his love for his family and so forth. And What did that do for the audience in relation to us and um, little baby Stark and daddy Stark? Well, you know, it gave like a, you know, a, a line to sort of personify the... The love and the really I get what I know what you're getting at. I know. Yeah. So like so saying saying that then I was thinking, oh, this is gonna this is gonna be on t-shirts all over the place. But does it do something for the audience and the story? Yes, it does. So why is that a problem? Why is a line that creates an emotional bond between characters, between the audience and their story, um, creates a um, emotional tie to the character arc why is that a bad thing just because the audience are invested in that journey like they should be I don't know if there's anything hugely bad per se I mean I'm not trying to be like the Grinch here however however much that sounds in that it's just like oh I just don't like what other people <laughs> love you know like but but if I can if I can come back on that I, I feel like there is a difference between the that and say the profundity of certain dialogue of films that we truly think are great and I can't quite put my finger on exactly what that is but there is something cheaper about that than the dialogue from The Dark Knight 
or something like that. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, but I, I don't know. There's just, it's like the kid at school, like, like the popular person at school. It's like they've almost got it down to a formula. They know what they need to do in order to be talked about, in order to be liked. But they're not the person that you really admire on a deep level. They're the popular person. And I, I, I just get a whiff of that from Marvel and from Disney more, more generally, where what seems more important is what's going to catch fire than what is actually artistically meaningful okay and i feel baby yoda works more on that point than than i love you few thousand but but I, you know i suppose it applies to both i i guess another thing is would a kid actually say that to a parent is it a real representation of parental life i am i don't know i'm not a parent maybe 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 you can't feel that connection because at this stage you can't envisage a child saying that to you and the reaction you'd have. Maybe that was a line a lot for our parents and connects him to parents watching the MCU as like, that's no, that's cute. That's what I want my child to say, or that's what my child says to me. Or, you know, it, that might be actually a more accurate representation of life at home than you or I understand because my baby's not here yet and you're not having children as yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we can't relate to that situation because we've not experienced it. But it might be a more relatable experience to people in a different life situation because the MCU has a broad audience. In relation to Baby Yoda, the memeability mm-hmm. of it, my one thing would be to consider it took them five months to release merchandise for Baby Yoda after his release. If they if mm. they had planned on him being a huge success and capitalizing on that cash cow, shouldn't have there been merchandise readily available upon release? Uh, think... surely, surely they've missed the boat by waiting five to six months. But is it is it really I mean there's there's the merchandising side of things, but I feel like it would be very weird if they weren't planning on the memes. Because the thing is is that they capitalize on Baby Yoda in a number of different potential ways. Yes, merchandise, and yes, perhaps they missed the boat on that, but perhaps they were waiting perhaps they were like, we'll send that out hoping it will catch fire. If it does, then great as like merchandise and afterthought. But that's that's not the only potential incentive. So so the very fact that Baby Yoda is so everywhere on uh, social media is great for the show itself. It's like a feedback loop. We send that out there. Everyone memes about it. People then know about the Mandalorian. People get Disney Plus. So I mean, I you know, I I don't think it has to be attached to the merchandise per se. Yeah, but like, surely the only reason he's memeable is because it's good. You don't, you don't <sighs> mean rubbish, do you? This is where you, you start to start to catch you, me. Um, <laughs> you, you, things things are memeable. An idea is like <laughs> I don't want to use the situation we're in. It's it's like an infection. It catches because an idea catches because it's good, right? Because like... people have that common interest and common thread. So, but Baby Yoda is memeable because he's cute. Because people like him. I I feel like it's more about the fact that it's infectious than about that it's that it's good because of course we don't think infections are good, good. no but but in in terms of like a more meme sense of infectiousness I feel like it's 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 about what what catches and something that catches is cuteness so you know the internet I would imagine just a huge portion of the internet as a whole is dog videos and baby videos and cat videos um because people like cuteness and they like that that's one of the the many things that just catches on when people say oh look at this have you seen this video have you seen this picture cuteness is is kind of an infectious quality is cuteness bad no and to be honest if I weren't trying to be polemical, I would probably just end this point here and say you're right. <laughs> but I feel obliged to come back on that and say that there are higher artistic ideals that we should strive. <laughs> I can't pull that off. I can't fake. Okay, that okay, I've got I've got two points to make. Okay, okay. <laughs> first of all, first of all, let's stick with the whole baby Yoda thing because it's a travesty and a lot of people will be angry at you because even my friend Dan, who says he's unlike the Mandalorian, says he would die for baby Yoda. So <laughs> I'm defending him more than anything else. Okay. What if 
first of all, we've not seen the end of The Mandalorian because it's not released in the UK and we support the film industry and not watching it illegally. What if the whole story arc... Because I get the sense that you feel that Baby Yoda is involved in The Mandalorian for its popularity, not for the story development, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. characterization, yeah. So what if it's, it actually is part of the story, but it's playing the long game? Now, we already know there's a season two of The Mandalorian coming. I don't know what happens in the end. I don't know how the I don't know how the show finishes. I don't know whether Baby Yoda continues, where he he leaves, whatever, because he's obviously not in the the Star Wars films. So, but what if in the long game, because John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who Dave Filoni is, um, basically was the protege to George Lucas, um, in in Lucas film before Kathleen Kennedy. And John Favreau is the mastermind behind the Mandalorian and deserves all the praise and should become the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. But what if in in the long term there is a reason? Because don't forget, Baby Yoda. If you think about it in the story context, was being tracked by a a, a crime lord from the remnants of the Empire. What if there is a bigger, deeper, more progressive, more artsy and and clinical plot that we just can't see yet because it's beyond the bigger beyond the picture that we're able to see and it's the long game are you thinking too short term of like he's done nothing for the story when in a season or two or three it could all make sense then and you're just griping too soon that's a perfect perfectly possible uh take on it Uh, so so i guess i guess i guess first of all i guess we'll have to wait and see Really, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, it's, that's, it's a waiting game. We've got to yeah. find out whether it's worth it or not. I but think I think, fair, yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. In that, that very well may be the case. Is it also within the realms of possibility, however, that there was this attitude of? I get, we, we're speculating on what even the attitude was going into these things, but for the you know people like John Favreau and whatnot. But 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 I feel like there could have been an attitude of, we'll put it out there as acute but relatively, you know, unimportant story element because that's going to catch fire anyway. And then, yes, we might develop it into something more. Yes, we might not. I don't know. It, it really depends. I, I, this is all speculation, so I, I really don't know. I think that you've, you've, you've got a point, definitely, in that that could then develop into something more. I don't know what has happened, what's going to happen in season two, but I feel like a significant portion of the motivation was that infectiousness i guess irrespective of whether that's then uh, becomes you know whether baby yoda becomes integral to the story or not i mean i i hope not i hope that it's more along my lines of thinking than yours because it cheapens and almost ruins how the story has developed yeah and so i i very much hope that it's your cynicism there that's coming out more than (laughs) bad storytelling and as a as as I consider myself a storyteller in in a in a very slow aspect. I, I I'm more inclined to believe that it's for a bigger purpose and not just a gimmick. And I really hope it's not a gimmick. And it would destroy me if it was a gimmick because it it's a waste of a show. But mm. I see your point. Something else I just want to mention quickly about m- meme ability. Um, and this is about Disney as a whole and a bit more about like the MCU and other things about that. Like, you know, they how they try to interconnect everything in a in mm-hmm. in a really like detailedly woven story. And the one thing I want to point out to you is that no one else is able to manage that. Okay. That's a good point. If you look at the MCU, for example, no one else has pulled off a connected well, universe. Uh DC have, actually. Uh, no. oh, uh, <laughs> let me think. Name Name more than one good <laughs> cinematic universe film in that. You know, you've got you've got Universal tried it with their Monsters universe, and that failed miserably before it even began. It failed after the first film. DC are, are like this is their third attempt, I think, now at uh, <laughs> the universe with the Suicide Squad and the Batman. All the thus are coming out. Um, you know, I think Ben Affleck has left altogether. I think Henry Carvel has left, and. No one else, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is really able to connect films and stories and all that kind of stuff. Everyone's tried. The whole idea of, of cinematic universes is massive. It's popular. People want to do it. It makes tons of money. You know, a billion dollars almost a film like that, like Clockwork, is is no mean feat. Um, and people want to jump on board, but no one's able to do it. And it, I think it shows you that 
although their ideas and their money making schemes are very memeable, they're not necessarily achievable. For other, yeah. For other people. people. And so just because it's memeable doesn't mean it's meant to be memeable. I think Disney will quite happily be the only extended universe um, out there because it gives them obviously more control of the market. But they've got it right. We go to see DC films every time, right? We've, we've seen, You didn't see Birds of Prey, but I did. Like People will see DC because they like DC more than Marvel, like myself does. I like the characters more. But it's rubbish every time. I don't go to see it expecting a good film. I go... Hoping that it'll be better. Mm-hmm. So just because there's a label there doesn't mean that they're going to see they're going to see a film because they're churning out because it's going to be good. They're hoping for something more. They're hoping to have a connection they've always wanted. I go to a DC film hoping they finally crack the bloody thing. I walk out generally disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the point I'm making? No, I do. I definitely do. Fair enough. Fair enough. I um. <sighs> I had so much more to say. This is a long episode. I had no, <laughs> no idea that this would turn into uh, to what it did. Um, so I think it's probably for, for the best to uh, to wrap things up. This has been, I guess, more of a discussion about Disney as a whole than Disney Plus. I did have some thoughts on Disney Plus its itself more specifically. Share, share those, because okay. So in terms of what you actually get from Disney Plus, most people have a substantial amount of the Disney films that they like already on DVD. What you get from Disney Plus mainly is The Mandalorian. That's, I feel like, perhaps its biggest selling point in terms of novelty. I don't care about old, weird, funny Disney live-action movies about children and dogs and whatnot. You know, like, there's entire just... There's a whole bunch of stuff on there, but... For a lot of people, the stuff that they already love about Disney, they already have on DVD. And so I feel like what most people are paying for really is Mandalorian. Yes, there's the Jeff Goldblum series. I I, I haven't checked it out, so I can't really pass an opinion. There's that encore one with Kristen Bell. These like novel things coming with Disney Plus. But I, I, I I doubt people are getting it, you know, just for that. And then there are obviously the parents who are getting it because, of course, it has Disney Plus, which, to be fair, for children, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they already have the films, the Disney films, the MCU films, the Star Wars films in a hard copy on DVD. And yep. the question I was going to pose was, is The Mandalorian worth £60 a year? But I know that your answer and most people's answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> like, see, 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 here's the thing. Like, whilst I have Disney Plus... I got it because of the Mandalorian. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they haven't done great in releasing this. Their releasing of their streaming service was pretty poor because their catalog was pretty empty. There's a lot of crap on there. Yeah, what it does, it provides you flexibility to watch your favorite films wherever you are. That's a big thing. If you're okay, out and about, you don't have to take your DVDs for the MCU with you. You can watch films like, you can watch Agent Carter or Agents of Shield and all, all the other the Clone Wars and the other like Star Wars Rebels I've never been able to see. Um, and there's a lot of stuff coming. There's obviously all the Marvel shows which are super exciting: Moon Knight, She Hulk, Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, um, there's the Kenobi series, the Cash and Andor series, and Star Wars coming. They're releasing new films like Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus, uh, because, well, generally because of COVID nineteen. But whilst the Mandalorian itself is not worth sixty pounds, it would have been better if they had taken another two or three years before they released Disney Plus and had a bigger Disney Plus Originals catalog than they currently do. That would have made it a lot more worth it. They've released it a bit too soon because they thought we've got seventy, eighty years worth of content that we can upload. A lot of it's rubbish and no one wants to watch it. But in in f- four to five years i think it'll finally be worth the money that it is so whilst i agree that mandalorian is not worth 60 pounds some people um, would say that it was (laughs) some people would say it was i I mean but i can i can i can tell my google home play rogue one and it'll turn on the tv on and play rogue one for me i don't have to get up and put it in the playstation and do this and i can just play the film the convenience of it, of watching my favorite films and TV shows and watching all... Like, we don't own all the Disney films because we don't want to buy Ratatouille or Incredibles or Big Hero 6 because we don't want to spend 10, 15 pounds here or there for a Blu-ray or a DVD. We can have all those films 
and all the films coming on a regular basis, especially uh, with a kid on the way and when he gets older and he'll want to watch those shows, they're always available to him. So I think they released it too early. There wasn't enough original content on there, but in the long run, it'll become worth it. So I guess we should entitle the the, the episode Why You Shouldn't Get Disney Plus yep. dot 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 now. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. <laughs> okay, so two plot twists. Mm-hmm. Firstly... Cameron is actually a spokesperson for Disney. No. <laughs> he works for Disney marketing and that's why he defends it. So no, um, no, here's the, the real plot twist is that I actually use Disney plus. Um, so, <laughs> so I, you know, this has been to some extent jokey. I could argue perhaps a bit more passionately if it was something that I truly disagree with. Nonetheless, I stand by, certain points that I've made I don't stand by all of them and (laughs) if I did then it would be weird that I use Disney plus and always like watched all every Marvel movie when it got released and stuff um (laughs) nonetheless I feel like with every major movement with every major franchise every major company every major popular whatever anytime something's popular there are always those who uh dislike that thing and perhaps they have good reason. And actually, sometimes popular things aren't necessarily good because they are popular. So if you are one of those people who is not on board, who is not on the Disney train, we would be very interested to know if you have some strong arguments against Disney. And we would love to see you comment that in the comment section, because then lots of people will rush to argue against you and we can have a, a fun uh, debate, provided that it stays civil. Uh, so, <laughs> and if you are someone who has got Disney+, Plus, which I would imagine a lot of people have, then we would love to know what you think of it, whether you are disappointed, whether you are pleased, whether you take Cameron's point that it probably will be better in a few years' time. Uh, do let us know what you think. And like everyone is allowed their own opinions. You can agree or disagree with whether you want Disney Plus in your life or not. We, I, I bought Disney Plus in pre-order because I was so excited to see The Mandalorian. Um, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's me. And you and can in, sit back. <laughs> yeah. And in three to five years, when my when my little boy is older and watching Disney films and there's all this new Star Wars and Marvel shows, I'm going to be sitting there going, "Yep, totally worth it." So I'm not I'm not concerned. Fair enough. Well, there you have it, folks. Disney Plus. Should you get it now? Should you get it later? Should you get it at all? That's us for today. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.